Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I um, <clears throat> have several, th- several things on my heart. I, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more tonight about, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is like this. I don't know really why. Um, the rain, yeah. probably. I wanted to talk tonight a little bit more about um, just the excessiveness of God yeah. stewarding his abundance um, I have a few slides, V, if you want to try to follow along with me. Um, and I actually, Lynn, um, in the green room, I think I have that page four in case I get to that. Um, I passed out a handout a while back, and I've got lots more to, and I'm wanting to launch us into something maybe on Sunday, so I wanted to kind of set us up. One of the things that um, when she comes back on this next page that I introduced to us was just the shifting mindsets that we have to have. You know, I was thinking today, just meditating with the Lord, and I was thinking about how a lot of times we live under condemnation about things that we kind of made up as rules of God, I guess you could say, or factors, things of God. And, you know, condemnation is such a strategic tool of the enemy because you can just be skipping along in your day, doing good. And then he reminds you of something that was in the 1800s, you know. And part of, can you go back there and get those? Um, she's, she will pass those out for you. Um, is it, it's the last page, right? Yeah. And so I was thinking about that. How quick do we shift our mindsets. You know, I'm I'm on a whole lot of texting streams, you know, with all of y'all. And I I notice there's patterns in our thinking. How many feel like that you had a shift in your thinking just this week? I know Phil had one and Bailey had a big one. I was privy to those. Charlie's working on one. But Part about the shifting process is being able to stay in the place where we shifted because we kind of tend to slink back. And it's that slinking back process that then produces a lot of condemnation. And then a lot of times, you know, we're almost more comfortable with setting up laws. You know, one of the things that Jesus hated was that he came to set us free, but then we returned back to the law. Don't you hate it when somebody tries to put you under the law? But then at the same time, he requires a level of what I would call discipline and growth, maturing. So I want to talk a little bit tonight about this progression of the supernatural life. It is, I'm going to talk about it in in a three-part analysis, if you will. So in... Acts 2, um, I have a little slide for that one too, that it says that they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues. And I talked a lot about this recently. It says, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Think for a minute, why is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit 
on your tongue. It said that it was like flames of fire. Kind of an indicator, isn't it? What does James say about anybody have a problem with this thing called your tongue, your mouth, the way you talk, things you say? Anybody? What What's happening? I propose that we're in process, as we know, right? But my tongue needs to be filled every day. You know, the filling of the Holy Spirit is so funny because after they were filled, I'm going to read these scriptures, but after they were filled, then they were led. And if you look throughout the rest of Acts, you know, Cece has memorized Acts 17. Let me find it and read it. Um, Acts 17, I think, verse 24. Can I read it to you? It says, um, for the true God, not for, it didn't say for, the true God is the creator. This is Acts 17, 24 in the Passion. The true God is the creator of all things. Do you believe that? Yes. That's good, right? Yes. It's a good starting point. He's the owner and Lord of the heavenly realm. Do we believe that? Yes. And the earthly realm. So... I don't own earth. So what am I doing here? I'm renting. Right? I don't own it. Have you ever rented anything? You know, in the last few years, uh, one in here has blessed us um, on occasion to go on a trip. And when we do, they've blessed us to stay in one of those Airbnbs, but one of those that's like $4 million. Have you ever stayed in a $4 million house? It's not like my house. Are you jealous? Are you sure? I looked over at you, I know. He's working on not being jealous. So I gave him some tonight to be jealous of. Mm-hmm. Just testing you. Uh, we're just renting for a week. We don't have to pay the water bill or talk to the cable man, talk to AT&T, Oof. Cox, oh, worse. We don't have any of that, right? Because what do we do? We just came to chill. But I act the same in the house I rent as the one that I own. And that's the invitation to God's good green earth. You don't own it. And part of the reason why in Acts 2 he wants to fill us is he said, because I'm pouring out. I said it earlier. It's an abundance. It's like how much of God can you receive? Have you ever 
been in one of those great seasons where you just feel like, gosh, you're just seeing so good, moving. Anybody ever been in one of those seasons? Stuff's happening, like you're, like you're seeing the spirit move. You know, you're blessed. You're whatever. And then all of a sudden, something changes, right? And then it feels like I'm pushing a boulder up the wall, up the hill. Her wall would be hard too. That'd be harder. Gravity. Makes me think of a story, but I'm not telling it now. And so, since he, it says this, that he doesn't live in man-made temples. This is good news. Because what are you? What are you? You're the temple, and what are you? You're God-made. That means God constructed humanity to house what buildings can't house. You know, all across the earth right now, there's a movement of His presence. And there's counterfeits and opposition to making room. You might live with someone that's not making room for His presence. They may be opposed to you. But when you stand before God, He's just going to say, did you make room for me? He's not going to say, did your neighbor, did your wife, did your husband, did your sister, did your brother, did your mother, did your father? Did He's just going to say you. And interesting enough, it says that that there will be people that can cast out demons and heal the sick and speak in tongues and prophesy. And he would say to them, I never knew you. That's interesting to me because we're all we're always kind of thinking about people that don't know him or aren't very close to him. That's kind of a given. They're not he's the he's the door, so they're they're not even experiencing him here on earth. But those of us who are experiencing, so it tells me that his presence should be transforming me all the time. If I find myself in a stagnant place, I'm losing his presence already. Something has to be offered from me as a sacrifice every day. It'll cost you. It cost him everything to love you. And so if you're waiting for the day where you get some me time, then the supernatural life's not for you. And so, if this God of mine is so gracious to pour out His presence on all flesh, an abundance, a libation, that's an excessive, I looked it up again, I've preached on libation before, but it says, a gushing forth 
running greedily. That's what Joel 2, when he's Joel 2-ing you, it's excessive. Have you ever been blessed and you didn't even hardly know how to say, I mean, like, thank you seems so stupid, didn't it? Like, you're like, I'm almost like, it's almost offended me. That's, that's what we're in right now. That, let's look at it in Acts 2. Actually, I was reading another scripture, wasn't I? Let me finish reading that scripture. Verse 25 in Acts 17, 24, the one that Mendel can quote to us, he supplies life and breath and all things, say all things, to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him, for he has all things and everything he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity. He spreads us, who? Humanity. All over the earth, he sets boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. Say, this is my appointed time. See, this is why it's an invitation, because this is your time. You can squander it away. You can sit here in his presence and be skeptical, but it's your time. You can sit here and be offended, but it's still your appointed time. He says he's, he did this so that every person would long for God. See, that's, that's my why right there, that he's spreading me and you, those who want to be spread. Do you want to be spread? Yes. He's spreading us so that every person would long for God. What makes them long for God? What made you 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 long for God? See, we all have different reasons why. Because yeah. we're all different. Yeah. God meets up with every person's why. It says, he did this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him. F-E-E-L. That's what it reminds me of. Do you, you know how you did that? For he's the God, capital G, who's easy to discover. And it's through him that we live and function and have our identity. So think about it for a minute. This is Acts 17. So in Acts 2, what did they experience? They experienced Joel 2. Listen, it's not stopped. Isn't it weird how someone would read the Bible and say that was for back then? I'm like, well, then what, what do we get now? Do we get something less? I mean, why are we looking for a less? We aren't even good at doing good with this amazing abundance. I got a libation on my hands. Listen, as you progress in God and mature, you're going to have more than enough. Yeah. 
then you're going to have to have real wisdom. When you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're poor, po, you don't have to think about what you're going to spend your money on. You don't need any wisdom. It's all used up in the living. Rent's hard. Rent to God is even harder. We pay rent to mankind easier than we pay rent to God, which is the tithe, by the way. Another thing we need to have a skeptical talk about. You want to be blessed? It starts with when you acknowledge who owns the planet. <laughs> so in Acts 2, trust me, I've, I've done it. So He said this, this is what I will do in the last days. I'll pour out my spirit on everybody. And the libation, that's what it's right there. I will offer my spirit to humanity as a libation. That's in the voice. Then because of the excess of his presence, because of the filling up, I propose to you that the reason why I lose my way is because I forget to fill up every day. Think about your car. You know, I don't drive as much as I used to. I used to, like, put two full tanks, two or three a week to drive all my driving. Now it's like I can drive on a tank for, like, two months. It's great. (laughs) But it doesn't matter what. When that thing comes to an end, I can't keep driving it. It doesn't matter how much I pray. It doesn't matter that I just call down heaven. When it comes to an end, it's time to refill. And see, that's really what's happening to our spirit man. That's why our soul takes over. Think about your soul like the wrecker. When you run out of gas, you call the wrecker. He'll come what? Tow you. That's what our soul, we're in tow with our soul. And, And it's the filling up. That, ha- that causes me to live and move. It says it right there. Live and move and have my be- being comes from the infilling of His Spirit. And so once that I'm filled, then what's next? I read it all go. I'm led. Let's, let's read it. Romans 8. I preach on Romans 8 a lot. Is there anything better than Romans 8? It's got one life's mission statement in there. It's got a bunch of good stuff in there. Now, in the Amplified, it says, For all who are allowing, say allowing. Allowing. Turn to your neighbor and say it's an allowable function. Allowable. All those who are allowing themselves to be led. That tells me what? I have a choice. I'm filled, and some of us are good with that. Not too many people that are filled to overflowing are like, this is good the rest of my life. But really, honestly, I promise you this is the crux in life, is that I don't realize how much I'm in need of his constant filling. I like how Bill Johnson says it. He says, if you have a hose out in the yard and it's not on, Anything can get in it. Agreed? Agreed? You stick it in a 
pool of mud, what's going to happen? If it's juicy enough, the mud's going to get in it. But if you turn it on, if you turn it on, there's something coming out. It can't. I've never seen a bird crawl into a hose that's go, that's on. Have you? Sure, some skeptic in here can tell me something. Too much pressure. If you want to know how to defeat the enemy, keep the hose on. Ain't nothing can get in there with the hose on. How do you keep the hose on? I'm constantly engaging with the movement of the Spirit. This is what it says. Let's look at it in the Passion. We love that so much. Now, let me read it in the voice, and then I'll read it in the Passion. If the Spirit of God is leading you, then you can take comfort in knowing you are His child. In the Passion, it says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Remember, I talked about impulses recently. This is doing something with this infilling. This is saying it's meant to do and transform something in me. It's transforming my mind. Why does it why is it that our mind needs this is why right here it says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit and you didn't receive the spirit of religious duty. That's the law. Listen, we set up systems everywhere we go to prevent the thing we fear the most from overtaking us. If you're not careful, you will system your life away, which is really the law, because the impulse of the Spirit isn't law. It's life and liberty and freedom. See, if I'm led by Him, He wouldn't ever propose something to me that would harm me. Did you find the food scripture yet? I told it to shoot you today. If, if we understand the freedom of the Spirit, then if something in me doesn't line up with freedom, it needs to be healed, sozoed, kicked out. Right? Because it's living. I don't have the hose on. It's living in me. So the hose can't be on. So I'm living under the spirit of religion. Listen, let me help you. I can smell the spirit of religion. Can't you smell it a mile away? I hate the religious spirit. It's a mocker. And it's confusing. And we buy into it by not realizing we can just say Abba. I'm a daughter first before I'm anything else. And listen, there's not a line of people lined up behind me telling me, you're such a good God's daughter. You know, Colleen sent me an encouragement the other day. I probably hadn't heard from her in like 10 years or so. And it was super duper timely. I thought she was prophetic for a second, but then I knew she wasn't, so... Cheryl really enjoyed that. (laughs) So, (laughs) 
See, sometimes we forget that's keeping the hose on. You know, I know what I know what she's thinking because I know her. She almost talked herself out of it. Think about just let me dissect it for you. I almost talked myself out of encouraging someone that's given their life to help me. Almost. I almost did. Cause because why? Was I saying don't need it? See, that's the impulse of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure she's been offended at me. I don't know. Have you ever been offended at me? Okay. She could have texted me one time and said, I'm offended at you. That would be the impulse of what? Of her soul. It's really simple. This is a, God didn't make it complex because we're just little sheep. I knew Allie would help me. It says he didn't give us that spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. That's really the fear that she had. If she thought, I'm good at this, baby, I'm so good at this. When the impulse of the Holy Spirit came by and her hose was on, it would just flow out. I got to get it out. I'm going to die. I'm going to literally die if I don't get this out. Is anybody there yet? You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to die. I'm going to implode if I don't get this goodness out onto that person. That's what it says right there. Because you've received the spirit of full acceptance. There's nothing else we need. Listen, I can't accept you enough to get over the religious spirit. I don't have enough words or time. It's already been done. When I don't believe it, I separated myself to go be with my friend, Mr. Offense, Mr. Rejection, Mr. Pre-Rejection. It's true. It says you've received it and it enfolded you into the family of God. That's the only way you're going to know where you sit. Some of you have no idea that you're sitting in a whole family right now. See, he gave you the family before you even knew you had it. I just like to act like I belong. This family has rights. Gwen called me Monday morning. While, some, while 10 other people were having a meltdown that were texting me and calling me, I was divvying out people, you take her, you take him, you, uh, you take them, okay, you, you, you go over there, you go over there. And I'm like, Tracy, are you dressed? How long will it take you to get dressed? Three minutes. That's my girl. Get that three-minute clothing on, and Gwen's over at blah, 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 and you go pick her up. Why? Because the hose is on. I was tired. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. I was hurting from head to toe. It matters not. Because I'm the impulse of the spirit. My hose is on. Are you? The family of God. 
Have no needs among us. Acts 4. That's the thing that came after the filling. Trust me, if I hear about it, I will make a way. That I'm trying to teach you to do that. You want to do that. You don't want it to just be me that they call. I promise you don't. And it says, and you will never, ever, 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 ever. Feel orphaned. So if I do feel, if I have a thought that's of an orphan nature, that's stupid. Like nobody loves me or wants me. I don't know if anybody's thought of that this week. Has anyone thought of that? That's an orphan thought. I can come up with all kinds of data. Right? Because my hose isn't on. It says, you'll never feel orphaned because he rises up in me. I don't even have to rise up. What? And our spirit joins with his spirit, with him. And we say this word, it says, of tender affection. Listen, I don't know if you believe this, but I feel really alone sometimes. I feel like nobody's with me sometimes. But all I have to say is, Abba, you chose me, and I chose you back, and I will never be alone. See, my posture in life looks different when I know I'm not alone than I'm tr- when I'm trying to make you make me not feel alone. Yes. Have you ever tried to get someone <laughs> to make you not feel alone? They're not good at it because your need is so vast. You're a black hole. It cannot be filled because there's no bottom. Because... The spirit of full acceptance is fills up that hole and that hole alone. That's the only thing that fills it up. And this is what it says. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real. What should a good father do? See, this is the epidemic we live in. Since we didn't have good fathers, then fatherhood has no good definition. So I've turned off my ability to need what a father could give me. And I said, I'll do it without that. And you can't. And it says, the Holy Spirit does this, whispers. Inside you, in a place you cannot touch in you, you are my beloved child. 
that Holy Spirit you got in Acts 2? In Romans 8, he's doing this. That's being led. The Father leads. The Father leads. My last point is, after I learned to be led, I learned to walk. I know some of you are not here yet, but let me tell you from experience, it's the best place to live. This is the progression of the supernatural. You can't get these out of order. Go ahead and read in Romans 8 what's going on when you get it all wacky, wackadoodle. In Galatians 5, it gives us some more wackadoodle. Look what it says. It says, walk habitually. What's that? Do you walk every day? Does anybody walk every day? You're in a habit of walking. This is what happens. I think the ice cream's in there and I'm in here. I will walk. I will, I will do something without thinking. And before I know it, I'm right in front of it. I heard we were off ice cream now, so I had to, I know, I know. Because we're already in a habit of doing it. Right? Are you with me at all? Walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. This is what the Amplified says it means, because we need help knowing what it means. Seek Him and be responsive. You can see that takes a mature person to do that. Has the Holy Spirit yet told you to do something that you didn't think of? Anyone? How many of you, your first response is, I got to do that quick? Or how many of you are like, I wonder why you would say that? I might need to go to Dr. Google and see if I should do that. You know, I gave somebody a challenge in here Sunday, and she, she had some helpers. She had some that said, oh, you don't have to do it that way. Do it this way. Oh, that's too dangerous. Because why? They're not walking yet in the Spirit. Because when you walk in the Spirit... You're not contemplating how I can't do it. You're forcing your way to do it no matter what it feels like. You're, for, you're making a way, forcing a way, pushing a way, saying, I've got to do it because I have to be responsive. And the moment you stop being responsive is the moment you go back a step. Let's just say it like that. You go back to home. And he helps you know, well, you're, you're not ready to walk yet because the walkers are easily responsive because the hose is already on. It says, and then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. See, my soul responds impulsively 
My spirit walks habitually. See, when my soul's in the lead, it tells everybody what I like and don't like. It's just impulsive. Yes, it's so true. It says, I'll do this one day with you, and then, ah, I think I'm done doing that. I'll do this one day with you. No, I don't think I feel like that today. I'll sit with Papa today, but tomorrow I'll forget all about him. That nature responding impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. Guess what? It's his planet, his rules. Listen, that, that should be joyous to us because he's a rewarder. So when I'm not getting rewarded, what's his rewards? I'm going to talk about the resources of heaven, I think, on Sunday. Please pray. Please let me talk about it. But right now, I'm just trying to shift my mind to prepare to see the resources that God's provided. It's, I can't even list them all. But I assure you, few people in this room are utilizing to the full. God's resources are poured out in abundance, and we're meant to use them to progress God's way. So when my way is so big, and it's just impulsive, how do I break an impulse? It's It's addictive. I'm, I'm addicted to something because I'm avoiding something else. I've stuck something in this place that I enjoy so I don't have to do this thing that looks like discipline. In fact, I'll even call discipline evil. But see, I will have to discipline that soul of mine before my spirit can even walk with him. I don't have to do the same things right now at 60, serving him my whole life that I had to do at 20. My 20-year-old things lost their appetite a long time ago. Because when the hose is on, I would rather see what he does than see what I can do. It gets rid of performance. It says it right here. The sinful nature has its desire which is opposed to the spirit and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. You want to know why you're in a war? Listen, this is the war we create for ourselves. This isn't even the war God wants us to be in. Do I want to, do I not want to? Do I want to be disciplined today or do I not give a rip today? Do I want to change the nature of where I'm at because I want the fast track? Or do I want to stay low? It says, the two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually, 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 continually in conflict. Listen, if you're trying to be in a relationship with someone that doesn't want to walk in the spirit, you're going to have conflict. You can't, if you're going to walk in the spirit and they're not, you're going to have conflict. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's going to just get hotter and hotter and hotter and higher and higher, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is it? is the goal to make the person who wants the spirit to stop wanting the supernatural? I mean, think about that thought process for a minute. That's the true epitome of the, of the selfish, self-absorbed nature. 
I can't even celebrate someone's experience with God because it, it didn't benefit me. And that's the true nature of walking in the Spirit is I don't even want to do all those impulses anymore. They're gross to me. No one has to come and say, don't do them. That's, that's what the whole filling of the Spirit and leading with the Spirit and walking with the Spirit does. It gets rid of all that stuff that's in the way. I promise you it's totally in the way. It'll wreak fear in your life over great things. The fear will, will suck the living life of you. You will have no peace. You will set up rules and regulations and restrictions trying to get the peace. I'm almost done. Cece's going to read this amazing word. They're in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as a believer do not always do good things you want to do. But if, say but if, but I'm guided and led by the Spirit, then I'm not subject to the law. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissension, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. That's not even the full list. I warned you beforehand, just as I did previously, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others. It's joy, it's inner peace, it's patience. It's not the ability to wait but it's how I act while I'm waiting. It's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. And against all those things, there's not a law. And those who belong to Jesus have crucified personally the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, moral courage, and our conduct must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't become conceited. We can't become challenging. We can't provoke one another, and we can't envy one another. This spiritual abundance has to be stewarded. And the ability, the choice, the invitation, the understanding I can walk in the Spirit is an abundance. Yeah. It's one of the abundances that He gifted to you. Because yeah. He loves you. Because it said He adopted you and called you His child. And He said, this is what my children get. Yeah. And so when I get rid of the impulses of what a child of God wouldn't do anyway... I don't have to create a bunch of rules. The impulse in the Holy Spirit tells me. Right. And it starts in little things. What you watch, what you eat, what you drink. What kind of rules you create. 
what kind of offenses and jealousy you have. God will set you up. He'll put something you really want right in front of you, and he'll see if you can celebrate. We practiced that song last night that she wrote, Oh, I celebrate every time you say my name. Listen, I celebrate every time you hear his name. Every time you discover who you really are. Because we look a little silly being orphans in an adoption plan. Come on. I remembered. (laughs) Sorry. Wow, such a good message. Man. You know, um, I love this this concept. We didn't plan to, I didn't know what she was going to talk about tonight, so this was unplanned um, by us, but it was planned by the Holy Spirit, clearly. But I'm realizing now how much this word that he gave me for you um, relates to this process, because this what she talked about today um, with being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, being led by the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit, that's the journey, right? That's another way that's referring to our journey, which if you know anything by now, it's not linear. You don't just, once you've been led, now you're walking in it and you're done. You know, it's continual and it happens in layers. And and I like to think of it as being, it, it happens in um, in different categories in life. You know, we could be really fluent and have a good stride of walking in the spirit in certain areas and be really glitchy in others. I've been on that word glitchy lately. It just perfectly describes so many things. I'm feeling glitchy. You're being glitchy. You know, things are glitchy. So that's just, I feel like that's part of life. But but anyways, I realized this word that Papa really wants you to catch something about that process because when you are glitchy, we are easily can get into striving, we can get into condemnation and all of that stuff. And this is the word you need to have as your fuel, this message of what's on the Holy Spirit's heart. And so I want to frame it just a little bit for you, but um, because the way that this process works for me is I may start off with a certain thing that I'm feeling that's not good, you know, and I'm going to him. And I just want to say that you may have a different feeling, but many of us find us in this, in this position here. And so, and I'll I'll just start reading and I'm going to point out a couple of things along the way. So I started writing because of this feeling I was having about not being able to connect with him. And I said, Papa, I trust your devotion to me. I trust your devotion to me. I trust your devotion to me. I didn't feel like that, but I needed to say that. I needed to hear myself say that or write it. At times, I wake up feeling disconnected from you. I know that that's not where you mean for me to be, but fear creeps in saying that I won't be able to find my way back to you, that I won't be able to access the place you made for me. I find myself so easily and quickly feeling irritated by the lies that say, this is how it's always been, and this is how it's always going to be. They tell me that I am subject to living life the old way, that that is all that's available to me. They poke and prod with words and perspectives that feel so familiar, they seem like second nature to me. I assume... They are truth in those moments. I assume they are truth in those moments. An assumption 
that shackles me to negativity. That's what those assumptions do. Now, I went into a process here of gratitude, and I want to show you that what happened as soon as I did that. Because what happens when I'm writing is I know that he has a part where he starts speaking first person from himself, but he takes over what I'm saying, usually in my process. He takes over what I'm pouring out, what I'm expressing to him, and starts to say things I don't even know what, what, they're, you know, what I'm saying in writing. So I said, thank you, Papa, that you have restored me enough to recognize the feeling of those shackles. I can be grateful about that. At the very least, I know this is not what you wanted. This is not good. I don't like it, and you don't like it either. That even if I don't see, see it all clearly, I have learned enough to know that it ought not be. You have renewed my mind, my soul, to such an extent that I can at least see that I am stuck in something that you didn't make for me. I am grateful, so grateful for this. I can be grateful in this moment for at least this. Again, I needed to share, I needed to hear myself say that more than that, more than once, right? For at least I know, and this is where he took over, at least I know that I am tangled in the underbrush of wilderness. You know, I don't know where that came from. Him. It may feel like the bondage of my past. It may remind me of the years I spent enslaved to fear. But then I remember that it speaks of your rescuing journey as well. And this wilderness, doesn't it feel like a wilderness? We tend to refer to the wilderness as when we are glitchy. Like, man, I'm just out here again in the desert. This wilderness, I wouldn't even know if you hadn't plucked me from my oppressor's hands and opened the gates for me to walk out freely. I am not yet to my destination, but I am on my way, walking each day in the freedom of pursuit. Now get this, not mine, but yours. The freedom of pursuit, not my pursuit, but yours. This wilderness terrain, as much as it may seem some days, as rough as it may seem some days, speaks of love's willingness to fight for me. The thorns and dry brush that try to entangle me are only a display of what is fading away. They have been cut off from their source and wither and dry as they grow closer to their full demise. This was the tumbleweed that I saw that it's not, you know, tumbleweed is tumbling because it's not connected to anything anymore. It's not growing anymore. They're cut off from their source and now wither and dry as they grow closer to their full demise. This ground pulses with love's pursuit of me. It pulls me, draws me, and leads me. When I wake each day, this is the place my feet first rest. No matter the feeling or the thought, the dusting of sorrow, anguish, or loss, holy ground is where I'm found. Love's devotion pursues me here. Love's devotion doesn't sleep or need rekindling. It's not a fire that I need to stoke. Its flames consume me with every breath I take, whether sleeping or awake. This is my reality, 
This is where I live and move and have the fullness of my being. I am pursued by divinity. Father, Spirit, Son, run in pursuit of me. I have their full attention. I am the object of their affection. I am the focus of their divinity. Yes, divine love in its fullest form pursues the fullness of me. Resurrection power is what raises me into my full identity. It's not at all of my doing. So I need not be worried of what remains in me that finds deceit more familiar than truth's reality. My strength is not meant to free me. I hear that again. My strength is not meant to free me. My will is not made to unlock chains. My mind is not designed to solve the puzzles of life. All that I am, every ounce of strength that I have, every power given to flow through my will, and all the capacity of my mind is solely designed to perceive love's devotion to me. My choices lie not in what I can make happen in life, but whether or not I will look for love's pursuit of me. Will my eyes remain on the chains that bind? Will my ears only hear the noise they make? Or will I remember that I have been rescued and set free to receive from divinity? This is so powerfully on Papa's heart right now. I just keep getting the same message over and over in different ways, and I'm hearing it from other people prophetically that God is just trying, is breaking this thing of striving. He's breaking this thing of thinking that it's out of our own strength that we do anything. And I mean, He wants to like completely sever it, not just allude to it that He's good and He's going to do a bunch of stuff, but He wants to cut it off. And say he wants us to totally switch our mindset to realize we are being pursued. We are being pursued. You know, it reminded me of little kids love to be chased. You know, like little bitty three-year-olds, they love to be chased. That's the whole game. There doesn't have to be any hiding or seeking. Just chase me. That is us. We are being chased by the Godhead. They are pursuing us because of their intense devotion to us. Everything that is happening in our life is them pursuing us. And if we could remember that in this moment, in those moments when we feel a little glitchy, when things aren't going so great, then we can fall back. You know, we can we can reset by remembering they're doing all the heavy lifting. They're the ones going before us, going behind us, making the way. It's not based on our own understanding. It's grace. Grace. It's just grace. I heard Graham Cook say recently that I was saved by grace and I'm perfected by grace, not my behavior. We're not perfected by our behavior. We're perfected by grace. So an interesting tidbit on this, I I wanted to highlight that this was a reference to being in the wilderness, right? So if you think about Exodus and the Israelites' journey, they were rescued from Egypt, and now they're wandering around in the wilderness and the desert, right? And that's what we tend to compare our 
harder moments too, when we don't feel like we're, we've arrived yet, you know, that we're out in the wilderness. But I felt like he was emphasizing this point that when we get up in the wilderness, our feet are on holy ground. Our feet are on holy ground in the wilderness. And so I went and looked up. I, I was reminded in Exodus 3 when there was the burning bush, that then Moses saw the burning bush turned aside. And what did God say to him there? Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet out of respect because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. In the natural, he was in the wilderness. Moses saw the burning bush in the same wilderness that the Israelites traveled through. So I'm just saying that was holy ground. That was already holy ground. And so I wrote this line, holy ground doesn't start in the promised land. It starts in the wilderness. I mean, that's a good line, right? That's a good line. Holy ground doesn't start in the promised land. It starts in the wilderness. So when we are all tangled up with tumbleweeds around our feet and our ankles and we can't figure out how to walk and we forgot to get our water and all that and we're just a mess, we're still on holy ground. We are on holy ground, and that's got to mean something to us in our process. The other thing I, I wanted to say is there's this, this emphasis in the Spirit right now, too. I've, I've been hearing from other people about His name. I shared a few weeks ago about Yahweh and where that, what that meant, and it said Yahweh told, revealed His name to Moses again and said, um, My name is I am that I am. I will be who I will be. And then tell them that he will be who I will be. The emphasis in I'm going to be who I am to you, to my people. I'm going to be who I am. And so the Holy Spirit keeps bringing that back around. Lenny had a dream the other night where the entire night she was rehearsing the names of God and seeking out the names of God. It keeps coming back around to me. And if you remember in that story in Exodus, when um, I, I did a little more studying on it. So in Exodus 3, at the beginning, there's the burning bush. Moses um, is revealed, you know, sees, sees the burn, burning bush. God reveals himself there and says, this is holy ground. And then, um, and tells him to, at that encounter, he tells him to go to Egypt and tell the people to be set free, you know, tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And that's when he says, my name is Yahweh. That's when he says at that point. So the Egyptians haven't even been rescued yet, and he reveals his name there. Now, fast forward, after the Israelites have been released and they're in the, in the wilderness, they're traveling, they arrive back at that same destination. This is now in Exodus 33 and 34, where in Moses, God is telling him, now I want you to take my people to the promised land. You've rescued them. Now take them to the promised land that I've set aside for them. And that's when Moses says, but I want to see your glory. And I don't want to go without you. Don't, I don't want, I won't go unless you go. And I want to see your glory. And that's when God says, I will place you in the cleft of the rock and my glory will pass before you. Now I mentioned, I read this a few weeks ago. And do you remember what else he did in that moment? It says in, um, in the Amplified, then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses as he proclaimed the name of the Lord. He proclaimed the name of the Lord in Exodus 34, and after in Exodus 3, he revealed his name. Then he began proclaiming it again. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and said, and proclaimed, the Lord 
passed by in front of him and proclaimed this. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, faithfulness, keeping mercy and loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He began to proclaim his identity. As the journey progresses, he's, his voice is getting louder and louder. He is intensely proclaiming his name in this season right now. He is saying, I am Yahweh. I'm, I am the eternal one. I am El Shaddai. I am Elohim. It is, he is shouting louder and louder his name because we are progressing in our journey. And he is proclaiming the one that is in pursuit of us. He is revealing his identity. You have to understand, I just want you to feel this aspect of being pursued. You're not just receiving. He is pushing this towards you. He is waving it on. He is saying, hear me, hear me, hear me. See who I am. Know who I am. Get a glimpse of who I am. Let it sink in. Let it sink in deeply who I am. That's the journey we're on. That's the journey when we're filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and we walk with the Spirit. We are on holy ground. So, Papa, I just want to say thank you for your pursuit of us. I thank you for your pursuit of us. I love, I love what we sang in worship today, that beholding your beauty is, such, is the most holy act because it's literally all we need to do is just to look on you, to be amazed by you, to be in awe and wonder of you because when we do, we realize that you're the one doing all the heavy lifting. You're the one pursuing us and making the way for us. So, Papa, I just pray that we would have a real shift in our hearts and our minds and that you would just break off that mindset that says that it's up to us and that we are stronger than you, that we can do something to mess this up that you couldn't overcome. I just break that off right now in the name of Jesus. I sever it. I say there's going to be a brand new perspective that everybody waking up tomorrow morning will realize that their feet are on holy ground and every step they take in their journey, no matter what it feels like, no matter what obstacles are in the way, no matter what conflicts they get in, they are on holy ground and they are being pursued by Yahweh, who is eager to proclaim his name. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for this message tonight. I ask that you would seal it up, secure it, remind people of it, make it personal, and dreams, billboards, conversations, TV commercials, whatever you want to do. You can speak through a donkey. We're open to that too. You can speak through our pets, anything you need through a spider on the floor, whatever you need to do, you can speak through it. Just make this a personal message that imprints on their hearts and minds. We thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid, the heavy, heavy price out of your devotion for us. If ever there was a display in the natural of how devoted you are to pursuing us, that was it. So we just give you honor and glory today. We love you. We love you. We will worship you all the days of our lives. We love you, we love you, we love you. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.